my kids love food. Just to jump right in. I mean, it's actually to a point where it's ridiculous. My oldest, I have four boys. My oldest son, Dagan, is now at the point where when he goes to Chipotle, his order is two burritos and a burrito bowl. It's out of control. Um, and Dagan's always loved food since we can remember. When I remember one time when Dagan was probably four years old, we made a trip out to the grocery store. Um, and then we went to a local dollar store across the street to grab a few things. Um, so we're in the dollar store, and I look over, and of course, Dagan's standing by the candy. And he says, hey, Dad, can I have one of these? It was one of those little chocolate wrapped up coins. He said, they're only a nickel. I was like, no, we're not doing that. Come on, let's get our stuff. We're going to go. We pay for our things. We go out into the parking lot, and I look down at my son's face, and sure enough, his face is covered in chocolate. I said, Dagan, did you steal that chocolate that I said you couldn't have? He said, no. And about that time, out of his coat falls the wrapper onto the ground. He said, yes. I said, Dagan, no, but you know you can't steal. Now we have to go back inside, tell them what you did, and we have to pay the five cents for it. We walk into the store, and I'm saying, excuse me, ma'am, I'm sorry. My son has something to tell you. Dagan said, I'm so sorry. I stole one of those chocolate coins, and I need to pay for it. And this lady looks at me and says, it's okay. Kids do it all the time. I said, well, we want to pay for it, but thank you, and thank you for contributing to his prison time one day. So we, uh, we go home. My wife, Dawn, are furious. Like, this is our first child, right? Like, we failed. And he, uh, we say, Dagan, sit down, but we got to talk about this, okay? You can't steal. Take your coat off. Have a seat. Let's have a discussion. He sits down. I said, Dagan, I said, take your coat off. We're going to have a talk. He says, I'd rather leave it on. I said, boy, take your coat off. And the next few seconds happen in slow motion as I remember them. This child stands up, unzips his coat, coat, and as he takes off his coat, out of the sleeve falls a six-pack of chocolate donuts onto the ground, and it bounces. And I'm just like, whoa. I can't put words together. I'm like, no, thief, prison. And I'm like, on and she's like no it's a pattern now he has a pattern he's stealing he's a thief and we're like dang it I said get in the car we gotta go to the grocery store now he stole these from the grocery store before we even got to the dollar store they were in his sleeve the whole time so Dagan and I get in the car we go to the grocery store and as soon as we walk through the door this lady's charging at us and she's coming fast and I'm like oh boy and she walks up and she says, are you the one that stole those donuts? And he goes, yeah. And I kind of pull my son closer. I'm like, oh, no, they done caught him on camera. He's too young to go to jail. I got to pay for this. I'm going to jail now for him. And she said, young man, you don't steal. That's a bad thing to do, and it's a bad path to go down. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to let you pay for the donuts, but you have to return them. But next time, we're going to have to call the police. Because if you continue to make this choice, it's going to lead to a life of destruction. And it's, it's, it's not a path you want to go down, young man. He said, okay, thank you. And I told my son, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And we walked out. And come to find out, my wife, when we were driving up there, had called the store and told the manager, could you please put fear into my child without <laughs> telling me? So, but... That day, as far as we know, was the last time 
that Dagan has ever stolen anything. He's a phenomenal young 17-year-old man now. Um, but as, as, far, as far as we know, because I think what happened was that day Dagan realized, if I continue to make this choice, it leads to a bad, there's consequences. It leads to a bad path. When I'm tempted, man, I want that chocolate. I want the satisfaction of that chocolate today. But there's a sacrifice I have to pay tomorrow. And I feel like we're all, we all have that one temptation, right? Or multiple, where we know that we're making the wrong choice. And maybe some of us don't realize it's the wrong choice, but it feels good. We get in the moment, we're tempted to do something, and we're just like, you know what, just, just one more time. Just one more time, I'm going to do it again. And that day, Dagan had two voices that spoke into him. The first one said, it's okay. Everybody's doing it, right? Don't worry about morals. Don't worry about, you know, do what makes you feel good. Does that sound familiar? And he had another voice that said, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's a path you don't want to go down. And I'm just going to tell you the truth today. It may make you not like me. You may not want to hear it. But if you continue to do what you're doing, it's a path you don't want to go down. And it's going to destroy your life. And I want to be that voice for all of us today. Because I think that we all deal with some sort, some level of temptation. I want to go to a story in the Bible today about two brothers. In fact, they were twins. Twin brothers. Esau was the oldest by a second or two. And then Jacob. Um, let me start with their grandfather. His name was Abraham. Abraham was the man that God chose and said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have so many children, you're not going to be able to count them. And Abraham said, God, that's awesome and all, except I'm old. My wife, Sarah, she's old. And by the way, God, we have tried and tried and tried to have children, and it hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. And God said, Abraham, you're going to have more descendants than stars in the sky. So Abraham believed. And one day, Abraham and Sarah gave birth to a son and named him Isaac. Years later, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, gave birth to twin boys named Esau and Jacob. Now, if you've ever heard this story, you're like, that's not how you're supposed to say it. When I've heard the story of Esau and Jacob, I've heard it like Jacob and Esau. So the thing is, is that Esau was the oldest born. And in that day, if you were the firstborn son even if it was by a couple seconds, you had what was called the birthright. You had the inheritance. Let's say that their father Isaac had a million dollars. When he died, Esau would be given at least 750000 of this, plus the family name, plus all the land, all the possessions would go to Esau, and Jacob would get whatever little bit was left over. So why do we call it Jacob and Esau? Let's pick it up in Genesis 25. It says, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Two very different personalities. One enjoyed being out, one looked like staying home and cooking. Isaac, their father, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. It's interesting to me because it doesn't say loved more. Like, not only, only playing favorites, but I just love that one and Rebekah loved the other one. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. So Jacob's sitting there cooking his red lentil stew. Jake, Esau bursts through the door and says, he says this, 
quick. Let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. This sounds like my children when they come home. They bust open the door and like, I got to have it. What is it? Then they still complain about what it is. Uh, Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Now, you may be thinking, big deal. He just can go back on it later. He swore. Who cares? But in this day and in this time, to swear was like a legal binding contract. When Esau said, look, I swear, if you give me some of that soup right now, then you can have the birthright. I don't even care. Why do I care? I'm about to die if I don't get something to eat. It doesn't even matter. Just give me the soup. So he swore it over. He made this deal. And then Jacob gave some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, I don't, I'm not sure that anyone in the room or listening online has an addiction or a temptation for red lentil stew. I actually had some, for the, ironically enough, this past week, I had some for the first time, and it was pretty good. But I don't think enough to make me give away all of my inheritance. But that was Esau's thing. He was like, that was the one thing that could make him make a choice that would ruin his life. I wonder how many times before he like did this soup, like, I got to have it, I got to have it, I got to have it. So I, and I think whatever temptation we deal with, whatever it is that you're like, I got to have it. This is what I have to have to fill me up. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. Just one more time, whatever it is. Could it be a substance abuse? Could it be one more purchase, one more bet, one more look at that website at night when I'm alone that I know I shouldn't be looking at? One more flirtatious time with that coworker, we know we shouldn't be talking to because they're not our spouse. Whatever it may be, like how, how when we get in that tempted, can we get in that moment? How do we make the right choice? I think we can learn a few things from Esau. I think there's three things that I see that Esau should have done that we should try to do. And the first one is to make the right choice, the easy choice. And in other words, don't allow yourself to get to a place where fulfilling that temptation feels like the only way out. What did Esau say? He walked in, he said, I'm famished. I got to have it. All Esau had to do was when he went out hunting or whatever he was doing, he just needed to take like some Doritos with him or something, right? Some Fig Newtons, some little squirrel bites. I don't know what they made or what he ate, but he shouldn't have let himself get to a place where he was famished. He knew what this stew would do to him. He should have just taken a snack. Don't allow himself to get there. In other words, he should have starved that temptation. I love the saying, what you starve will die. What you feed will grow. It's so true. How many of you like these? You probably don't want to see this right now because like this is the beginning of fall. We had a crazy winter. I don't want to see something from the beginning of fall, Dallas. Take you down, all right? But how many of you put mums up in the, in the beginning of fall? Okay, you, all right. So every year, my wife um, buys a couple pots of mums, and she, she brings them home, and they look like this. They're beautiful, mid-September, early October, gorgeous, right? They look like this. You know what the mums look like at our house a month later? That's our mums. Because 
Don Darnell does not feed mums. She doesn't water them. She doesn't put them in sunlight. She doesn't massage the soil. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, I have coworkers who blow on plants. They say it brings them back to life. I'm not like a really plant person. But she starves them to death. Starves them to death. Because what you feed will grow. And what you starve will die. As we should do with whatever that temptation is. Feed good habits. Starve bad habits. What can you put in the place of fulfilling whatever you feel that need is? What that, what's that strong one? I got to have it one more time. What can I do instead? I think the next thing that Esau should have done was make a run for it. Esau walked into the house and he smelt the stew. And as soon as he smelt the stew, he should have turned and sprinted back into the woods. Because he knew what this stew could do to him. He knew the choices that it could make him make. And it did. And I don't really have, as I said before, I don't like have this strong need for red lentil stew. But I'll tell you what. You get some Fritos scoops with orange Tostito cheese. And I say the orange cheese. I don't want none of the white queso. You can keep it. So you... I take these scoops, put that cheese in the microwave and heat it up for 30 seconds. Oh, my goodness. Listen, I'd probably do anything for that as well. Dawn and I will be watching TV at night, and I, I would get these, and I would just snack on them. And she's like, I can hear your arteries clogging. And I was like, I know, but it's so good. It's been such a long day. and Just eating them. I'll eat a whole bag in one setting. Super size. So good. So bad for me. And then afterwards, of course, I'll get done. I'll be like, Don, why'd you let me eat that again? It's so bad for me. It's killing me. Don't let me eat it anymore. Next night, chips, cheese, heat, good, yummy. And I'm like, oh, again. And then one night, I go to the pantry. It's been a long day. I go to the pantry, and I'm like, where's my scoops? They're not in here. Start throwing stuff around. Where are they at? I go to the refrigerator. There's no cheese. What? Don, where's my, where's my stuff? Oh, I didn't buy it. You didn't buy it? Why? She said, you said it was killing you. You said don't let it, don't let you eat it anymore. So I thought the best way that, to not let you have it is if it's just not there when you want it. I was like, but I, I need it now. And, and so, but that line. If it's just not there when I want it, then I can't have it. Struggling with got to have that alcohol every night. When you're in a good place, get rid of it. Don't buy anymore. Don't have it in the house. Flush the pills when you're in a good place so they're not there when you need them. Shred the credit card before you make one more bet, one more purchase. That's destroying your budget, destroying your family. Whatever it might be. Don't allow yourself to be alone with that person you know you shouldn't be alone with. Put the computer away at night. Whatever it might be. Don't let it be there. My favorite Miyagi line is, the best way to not get punched is not to be there. Like, it makes sense, right? So, we, the, the best thing we can do is to run from it. To not be there when, when this happens. And so I think 
you, you're like, Dallas, I hear what you're saying. Those are two very practical steps. You know what? I need to, I need to starve my bad habits, and I need to feed my good habits. I need to not let whatever that temptation is be there in that time of weakness. I understand that. But you don't understand how deep I'm in. I've made a complete mess of my life because I keep making the same choice over and over and over again. And just trying harder is not going to do it. It's not going to cut it. I've tried. I've tried both of these things. And the temptation is too strong. Life is too hard. I'm too run down. My job is too much. My kids are too much. I just need something to fill me. And that's what I need. I got to have something. You don't know. And plus, I'm addicted now. I'm in a mess. And I get that. And I think what we have to do, the third thing that I think Esau should have done was to make your mess God's mess. So it said Esau didn't care about his birthright. He, he said, why, why would I care about my birthright? I'm about to die. Like he didn't even care about it. Do you realize that Jacob, they changed his name. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Yes, the nation of Israel is named after Jacob. Jacob goes on to have 12 children who become the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. They have children. Those children have children. Those children have children. The nation of Israel, God's chosen Jewish nation, was through the line of Jacob because of this one moment. And Esau is known for loving soup and having hairy arms. And Jacob is it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when it should be Esau. And he, t- he took his eyes off of what was important. And I got to say, though, uh, speaking of a mess, um, my child, Dane, that boy can make a mess. I know what you're thinking right now. Dallas, parent your children. You're up here talking to us, you're right? I'm like, I know. Uh, but this kid can make a mess. Like, we're like, who took a shower? Oh, it was Dane. There's his clothes on the floor. Or who was playing Xbox? Oh, it's Dane. There's the open containers. I, I picked him up yesterday. There's, like, food in the couch. And, like, who was watching TV? It's Dane. There's the stuff left behind, the socks, the uniform, everything just laying around. He's always been really good at just kind of dropping stuff. I know your kids don't do this, but when they're done with something, they just drop it on the floor and leave it. He's always been really good at that. And I remember when Dane was about three years old, the most joyful, happy, fun kid, just so full of life, but again, just made messes all the time. We had a playroom, and this playroom was a mess. Dane had gotten all these toys out, everything out, and had left it all over the floor. And I said, Dane, you made this mess. Yeah, Dad, that was me. I did that. And I said, well, you got to clean it up. Okay, I could do that. He had like the T thing. It was so cute where he said T instead of C. Or, and I, I said, well, no, 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 you're, you, you made the mess. You're cleaning it up. Okay, Dad, I'll do it. Like, All right, well, I'm going to come back in 30 minutes. And this room better be clean. It will. See you, Dad. All right, so I walk out. And 30 minutes later, come back into the room. Is it cleaned up? No. Is it even better than it was? No. 
Is it even the same as it was? No. I left my child alone to clean up this room, this mess he had made. He done found the Legos and dumped them all out. Puzzle pieces everywhere. Lincoln Logs. The rock and sock and robots are in pieces all over the floor. I left him alone and said, clean up your mess. You made the mess. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. I could clean up my mess by myself. Let me do it. And he made it worse. Because that's what we do, right? We try to clean up our own mess. And by trying and doing and performing, we just make it worse. And we get in deeper and farther because we're just, we can do it. This is the time. This is the one. Tonight's the night. I'm not going to do it tonight. And then tonight comes. It's like, oh, last time, right here, last time. Tomorrow, okay, I feel better today. And then again, and again, and again, and again. And we have a mess now. We're so far in. So I kind of got very frustrated with Dane in this moment. I said, Dane, what are you doing? I told you to clean this up. You know what? No more video games. You're not going outside. You're not playing with your brothers. You're not playing with your friends until this room is clean. Clean it up. And I turned to walk out. And in that moment, my son <laughs> has the nerve to scream at me. <laughs> but I'll never forget what he screamed. He said, Daddy, help me. I can't. It's too much. Please. I know I made the mess. I know I did this. But can you help me? Can we do it together? And, and then all of a sudden, I, I have like this love just shoot through me for my child. And I go up and I say, yeah, buddy. I would love to help you. I would love to help you clean up this mess that you made. You do all you can do. Because you got to help, right? Like you made the mess. you got to help. you got to help out too. But any time that you try to do something that's too heavy, I'll do it. Let me do the heavy lifting. You do all you can do, and I'll do what only I can do. Let's do it together. In Hebrews 4.14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. My child screamed at me. He said, Daddy, help me. I know I made this mess, but I can't do it without you. And I think there's people today that you've tried. You've tried to avoid that temptation. You've tried to take that next step. And I think the next thing that you need to do is say, Daddy, God, help me. I can't do this without you. I've tried, but every time I try, it just gets worse. I just make it worse and worse and worse. I need your help. Will you help me? And I think we have such a loving God 
that when we approach him with confidence, he extends his grace and his mercy upon us. I think he'll say to you, son, daughter, my child, yeah, I want to help you. I love you. I want to help you do this. Now, listen, I need you to do what you can do. Okay? Hey, starve, starve those bad habits the best you can, right? And, you know, when it was that run from it. Don't let it be there. Don't be around that temptation, whatever it is. You do, do everything you can do, but I'm going to do everything you can't do. And just anytime you need something, you just lean on me. Let me be there with you every step of the way. Approach his grace with his throne with confidence so that he may, you may receive mercy and grace in your time of need. Uh, we sang about it earlier. The, the last song we sang was, um, they're, they're talking about, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. And I've learned how to fight my battles that I have. And I just hope that nobody thinks I'm standing up here as the perfect person. In fact, you know what I'm struggling with right now? Slander. Gossip. And I know that may sound weak, but everything I've mentioned before, I've struggled with it at some point. And I'll, I'll make a text. Like, Somebody will, somebody will tell me, hey, you're doing this wrong, or you know, somebody will say something about me. Here's how I respond. Grab that phone. Oh, text somebody else. Text them, text them, text them. And then I'll put that phone down and watch for those bubbles. Come on, come on. This is my friend I texted, and I see the bubbles. I'm like, yeah, come on. And the bubbles disappear, so I know it's a really long reply, so I'm really excited. And then it comes across, they're like, yeah, how dare they? How could they? And I'm like, yeah, I got them on my side. And then later I'm like, why you got Dallas? Why you got to be so reactive? And so what I've learned to do with my current struggle, I'm not allowed to respond to somebody in the moment. I'm not allowed to react because I'm a very reactive person. I have to call that person and talk to them face to face. I have to handle it myself because that's a current struggle that I'm dealing with every day. And the most important thing I've learned is those words. Help me, Jesus. Help me, God. Help me, Jesus. Every day, God, this person said this. this oh, help me, Jesus. I got this text. Oh, God, help me, please. I want to make you look good. Help me. I want to do this. Help me, Jesus. Help me, God. Help me, help me, help me. Over and over and over again. So I don't know what you may be dealing with. I feel like we all have a step we need to take. And I encourage everyone to take that step of confidence and approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And he will extend his grace and mercy upon you. He will fill you with peace. He will fill you with joy. He will fill you. He may change your circumstances. He may not, but you will be so slammed full all the time. So I say, I encourage you to approach him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just being in our lives and being among us. Thank you that your presence can always be near. And for all of us who believe, God, you, you are present in our life. And you're there for us. And you say that we can approach you. And I thank you for that, Jesus. God, I feel like there are people in this room and people online who have a struggle. And they don't know what else to do. God, would you just surround them with your presence right now and let them know that those three words, help me, Jesus, could be their first step.
God, we need you. We can't do without you. Help us to fight our battles by calling upon you and by following you and by living our lives for you. Help us in our times of need, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing a song called Reckless Love. Uh, A couple nights ago, my wife and I watched a movie called Redeeming Love. I don't know if you've heard of this, but this movie is based off of the book that was written several years ago, Redeeming Love. We had both read the book um, maybe 10, 15 years ago, and the book is based off of the Bible, uh, the book of Hosea. In the book of Hosea, it's about a man who God says, I want you to go to that adulterous woman, prostitute, and I want you to make her your wife. And then, so Hosea goes, and he, he brings this woman back to his house, marries her, and then she leaves and goes off to prostitution again. And God says, go get her again. And he goes and gets her again. And it just keeps happening over and over. Says God says, go get her again. And just over and over and over. Like, it's reckless, right? That's what God does to us. He chases after us constantly, no matter what. I think you need to know that God is not ashamed of you. He is not disappointed in you. He's not grossed out by you. He's not done with you. He absolutely loves you just the way you are. And he's like this all the time. So I don't know what your next step is today. Maybe it's like just I, I, need, I need Jesus to take this from me. So as we sing, I would encourage you, give that struggle. Give that temptation over to God and, let, and watch how he can work with you through your life. Or maybe... Maybe you've never taken a step to become a follower of Jesus. You're like, I've never given my life to him. I lived 25 years without him, and I've lived the last however many (laughs) with him in the center of my life. He's everything. He's everything good. And so if that's something you would like to discuss today, I'd love to chat with you about it, and Chris would as well. Um, But respond as you feel led, and let's sing. Everybody, please stand.